Scott Walker on what America's cities are in flames. Rick Rigsby shares simple lessons for life. And singer Kelly Lang joins us. Thank you very much. We have a terrific audience here in our theater tonight. I'm so very grateful for them. Uh, folks, I am just back from hearing the president deliver his acceptance speech on the South Lawn of the White House. That just, yep. I got to tell you, it was a terrific speech that pretty much covered everything you can imagine the president has done and even plans to do in a second term. Now, it was a long speech. In fact, I think it still may be going on right now. <laughs> well, hey, in a couple of days, on September 1st, my newest book, co-authored with Steve Fiesel, who you're going to meet in tonight's show, is going to be available. And it's called The Three C's That Made America Great. Christianity, Capitalism, and the Constitution. You can pre-order the book right now and have it delivered on September the 1st, and I sure hope you will. <laughs> yeah, it is a fact-filled reminder of the underpinnings of our nation and its origins, something it appears may have been lost on younger generations of Americans, as well as some of the leftist loons who are educating them in our colleges and universities. Most of them are completely clueless as to the essential role that the Judeo-Christian worldview played in our launch as a nation. Now, that's not to say that every one of the founders were as devout as the Puritans or that they sat in the front of the church every Sunday and sang loud and prayed long. It's just that even the less faithful were aware that liberty only lives when people self-govern. And that's because of the moral code written onto the tablets of our hearts by our Creator. People who knew the will and the Word of God and who abide by it are not required to have authoritarian governments to be their God because then you're free from the bondage of self-centered behavior or as we accurately call it, sin. Now as we outlined in the section of the book regarding the role of Christianity in making America great, most people are kind of surprised to learn that the secular America-hating Ivy League universities of today were actually started to train ministers and advance the gospel. Did you know that? Harvard was named for John Harvard, a young minister who died at the age of 31, and a statue of him seated and holding a Bible is on that campus today. Well, that is unless some anarchists tear it down because I happen to mention it tonight. That's possible. Harvard students back in the day were to adhere to very specific rules, one of which was to read Scripture twice daily and be ready to give an account of proficiency of their knowledge of the Bible. The early motto of Harvard was, Truth for Christ and the Church. I wonder how many of those kids know that and do that today. 
Yale University's rules in 1787 included that, and I quote, all scholars are required to live a religious and blameless life according to the rules of God's word, end quote. Princeton's flag to this very day is actually translated under the protection of God she flourishes. But since it's in Latin, modern students don't know that, so they haven't burned it yet. But it wasn't just the schools who recognized the importance of the Judeo-Christian teachings as vital for this fledgling country. In 1782, the Continental Congress actually printed Bibles to give to the inhabitants of the United States. John Jay, who, by the way, was the very first Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States and one of the authors of the Federalist Papers, wrote this in 1816. Quote, Providence has given to our people the choice of their rulers, and it is the duty as well as the privilege and interest of our Christian nation to select and prefer Christians for their rulers. End quote. Can you imagine a Supreme Court justice making such a statement today? Look, I've just been in Washington, D.C. this week for the acceptance speech by the president. And uh, quite frankly, I was reminded that virtually all of our national monuments reference our nation's dependence on God. Maybe that's why the radicals want to destroy them. But America can't be understood apart from understanding the role that God's divine intervention has in our creation as a country. It, along with capitalism and our Constitution, really are the three C's that made America great. And it's why I know, I know that you're going to love my new book for yourself, as well as to share with your skeptical friends and family members. And remember, if you have someone who thinks America stinks and you really want to see their heads explode, get them this book. And then just step back and watch. Watch it happen. It will. A violent protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin this week after a police-involved shooting. And there were calls during this time for the Democrat governor, Tony Evers, to deploy more than 1,500 National Guard members to restore order to a city under siege. My first guest says, government at all levels have a moral obligation to do just that. Here's my conversation with former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker. Governor Walker, your state has been a sort of focal point this week in the news other than the Republican National Convention, in part because of what's going on in Kenosha. Uh, riots, severe violence. If you were still governor of Wisconsin, what would you be doing differently than what's happening there now? Well, first off, thanks everybody for all the prayers there. In terms of your question, uh, I don't have to just think about it. I just go back, as you know, having been a governor to what I did a few years ago when we had the start of something like this in Milwaukee, an officer-related shooting, actually in this case, between an African-American officer and African-American uh, individual. And it started to brew just like what we saw starting to happen the other day in Kenosha, uh, I reached out to the mayor, reached out to the uh, sheriff. The mayor amazingly didn't want help from the state. The, the uh, sheriff did. And so we sent massive numbers of state troopers in to help the sheriff at the park. We actually sent a full detail of the National Guard to a transit center a few blocks away from the park. And most importantly, you'll appreciate this, uh, we, we worked with the local clergy who, to their credit, came out on the streets and helped defuse the situation 
and we avoided the kind of mass chaos and destruction that we saw in Kenosha, sadly, over the last few days. Why hasn't uh, the mayor and other officials, including the governor, been more on top of this? What, what's the rationale of, of sort of standing back and letting these mobs burn a city down? Well, this really is a leadership fail, and, and that's what's so tragic. Uh, I love Kenosha. I love this state. I love America. I don't want to see it anywhere uh, in this country for that matter. And sadly, in fact, yesterday, I've been saying this for days. I've been saying it. I've been shut down on CNN and MSNBC and others saying this, but I blame the governor and the the Democrat nominee for president in part, not, not because obviously they're not initiating this, but for their failure to speak out about it. And I'm not alone. Yesterday, the Kenosha News, which is the local newspaper, a newspaper I might add endorsed my opponent originally uh, when I first ran and traditionally have endorsed a lot of Democrats. They came out and lambasted the governor saying that his comments on Sunday helped fuel the flames of the riots even before they started. Uh, when you look at what he said, immediately rushing to judgment, there's a whole independent investigation process here. So I learned a long time ago, again, you know this as a former governor, you cannot rush to judgment in situations like this. You saw Joe Biden saying in his statement, very similarly saying that this was an excessive use of force and that uh, the police need to be held accountable. Nothing about easing the tensions. You referenced the interview with uh, Anderson Cooper on CNN. I happened to catch a little of that online. And, and I was surprised at just how uh, combative that he seemed to be toward you. Uh, you know, I, I, I remember Anderson Cooper when he was an actual journalist, and now he seems to be an advocate. And it was an attack. I, I was somewhat stunned. You've been through this stuff before, but do you, do you see a different level of people in the media than we've ever dealt with before. Uh, the interview you're talking about, I think the part where he got the most worked up is where I, I talked about how uh, on a prior night, one of the uh, CNN reporters was out on the streets of Kenosha. Yeah. There's a fire burning over his shoulder. And Absolutely. He said, uh, it's the caption says fiery, but mostly peaceful protest. <laughs> and I said, are you kidding me? I mean, my goodness, how can you say that? There were you know, hundreds and hundreds of people out there burning flags, trying to tear down gates taking away not just buildings. Remember, these are people's livelihoods, the, uh, the automobile business, the, uh, the restaurants, the other places that are boarded up, in many cases, burned down. These are things people work their entire life for, and insurance is not going to bring that back. Give me an assessment, uh, as objective as, as one can. Contrast what we saw last week with the Democrats, this week with the Republicans ending with the president's uh, rather significant speech at the South Lawn of the White House. Well, I, I thought the assessment we've seen in the last uh, day or so was pretty good. A week ago uh, with the DNC convention, we had some friends over outside safely last week, and a number of my wife's friends in particular, again, aren't very political, but they said, you know, the DNC didn't just seem like they were down on Trump. They seemed like they were down on America. Mm. Uh, in contrast, I thought uh, from the first day on, from hearing from Herschel Walker and Nikki Haley, and my yeah. goodness, Tim Scott was remarkable. Yeah. I mean, just remarkable. Uh, what a great personal story. But but we saw real people, not just politicians, real people telling their stories about their love for America, the freedom and opportunity that's here. Are we a perfect nation? No, we've never been. But we've we've been striding towards that more perfect vision uh, that God uh, gave our earliest founders the inspiration for. Uh, and that's the kind of America I want to live in. Not, not one that stays the same, but keeps moving forward. We saw that repeatedly. We saw it from Mike Pence's speech. We saw it from the president last night. I was 
even as a Republican, I got to tell you, I was shocked how well uh, the convention went off and how live speakers versus a bunch of canned videos really made a difference, I think, connecting with the American people. Well, I'm grateful for your being here, but promise me you're going to come back, bring your wife, and let's talk balanced budget amendment next time. And Mike, we'll do that only if uh, my wife and I met at a barbecue place, I proposed to her at a barbecue <laughs> place, and we went to a barbecue place on the night of our wedding. So as long as we can have barbecue in Nashville, I'm in. I, I know a place. I'm telling you, we can do it. <laughs> Governor Scott Walker, thanks for joining us. Great to have you here. My thanks to former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker for joining us. By the way, you can follow the governor on social media at Scott Walker or visit scottwalker.com to find out what the Walker Group is doing to help move conservatism forward in the Badger State and beyond. Right now, Keith Bilbrey is ready to give you the scoop on tonight's show. So go ahead, Keith. Well, next, viral sensation Dr. Rick Rigsby. Then discover the three C's that made America great. Plus comedian Johnny W. Country Music's Kelly Lang are all here on Huckabee. Samaritan's Purse has deployed a disaster relief unit to hard-hit Lake Charles, Louisiana in the aftermath of Hurricane Laura and its 150-mile-per-hour winds. People in their homes and businesses are devastated. Right now, your call and a gift of any amount will help provide emergency supplies, temporary shelter, and the knowledge that someone cares right in the midst of personal disaster. So please call or visit the Samaritan's Purse website and be a hero to your fellow Americans who could really use one right now. And if you'd like to volunteer to work alongside Samaritan's Purse staff, you can find out more details on doing that at their website. Thank you, and God bless you for helping. Well, my next guest gave one of the most inspiring speeches of all time, and it's called Lessons from a third grade dropout. It has been viewed over 300 million times online. Please welcome best-selling author, speaker, podcaster, and football coach, Dr. Rick Rigsby. Rick, welcome. Thank you very much, Governor. What a privilege to be with you. Oh, the privilege is ours. Thank you. I saw someone send a link to me some time ago of, of the speech, Lessons from a Third Grade Dropout. I can see why 300 million people have viewed this. It's I mean, that's in itself unbelievable. Uh, did you ever think that it would strike a nerve with people like it did? Not in a million years. Uh, first of all, what a, what a privilege to be with you, Governor. I uh, grew up with God-fearing parents mm. who practiced the Bible and insisted on common sense as a mandate. Simple lessons like, son, you'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. Hmm. How you do anything is how you do everything. It's never wrong to do the right thing. Don't judge people. I mean, they come right out of the Bible, Governor. And, and I think the 300 million is the result of people that are hurting, that are broken, and also people that are wanting to improve their lot in life. I see so many kids today and they feel like they're victims, sure. somebody else's fault, that they're not getting all the uh, advancements and successes. My gosh, that has not been how you've looked at life. Not at all. We, we were taught not to. We were always taught to do our best, to see the good in everyone. You know, my father grew up 
in a segregated America, huh. it, during a time when America was not kind to its people of color, my father decided against that backdrop that he was going to stand and be a man, Governor. Hmm. Not a black man, not a white man, not a brown man, a man. He decided that he was going to respect other people regardless of whether they respected him or not. And so my brother and I, we're empowered by this. Nothing can hold us back. There, no weapon formed against us can prosper. I do recognize we're living in some very challenging sure, times. Sure. And there are horrible things that have happened to people. Sometimes horrible things have happened to people of color. Yeah. I'm not oblivious to that. Sure. So how do we blend between what you've just said and the way you were raised not to be a victim and the fact that some people have been mistreated, they yeah. have been disrespected. And, and so when someone says Black Lives Matter, yeah. I mean, that's true. And, and I'm not talking about the organization because I think it's a Marxist bunch of, of, of loons, but, but the, state, the statement itself. So how do we deal with that and at the same time, take your message to heart? You know, I happen to be African-American. There's no doubt about it. And there is horrific racial strife going on. But I think just as critical is a breakdown of the family. Let me tell you a quick mm. story. I used to be the character coach at Texas A&M with yeah. Coach Slocum. And one of the things we realized, one of the things Coach realized, was we're trying to coach these young men up to be men. It dawned upon us, how can you be something you've not seen? Wow. So we're really, we're focusing not on one of the major issues in America, a breakdown of the family. If, if I got tro in trouble I'm 64. You just turned 65, I believe. Happy Thanks birthday. for telling everybody that. Well, wow. you, at hey. least you don't look 78 <laughs> like you said last week. That's true. I don't. Thank goodness but I you don't. Know, yeah. in, in, in our day, if I got in trouble at your house, yeah. your mother would spank me, call my mother, and I'd get sure another would. spanking when I got home. 100%. It's a whole different day. Yeah. You see, back in my neighborhood, I had about 12 sets of parents, 24 <laughs> sets of eyeballs, right? There, there was yeah. accountability. There was a way that you ought behave. There was an expected behavior. And I'm not, I'm not denouncing single parents. Thank God for single parents. Yeah. But there is something, there is something about that child that grows up in a family where you see a male figure, a godly man, a godly woman, reinforcing godly behavior. And, and I think that is really missing in brown families, in white families, and in black families. I, I am working that one day we might turn back to the Lord and do things his way. We've tried it the right yep. way. We've tried it the left way. How about God's way? I think yeah. this audience yeah. agrees with you. Yeah. I certainly do. I mean, what you're saying is something very powerful, but, but simple. Yes. Dads matter. Oh, they do. Absolutely, Governor. I, I can remember my mother said for 30 years, my father would get up an hour before he was supposed to get up. He, had the, he was a simple cook, and he had to be at work at five in the morning. He had the breakfast shift, and he would, he would get up at three o'clock in the morning and be at work at four. He would say, Ricky, you'd rather be an hour early than a minute late. The translation, inconvenience yourself for the sake of others. Never not, hear not, that. It's either. not about you. Never hear that. It's either. not about you. No. It's reinforced. And, and so the, 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 the real point the real point that my father was really driving uh, across to my brother and I every day, it's not about you. Mm. It's what can I do to help somebody else? How can I make our neighborhood better? How can I make our church better? What made your receiving of his lessons different 
than other kids have. Living and going through hell and high water. Mm. I think everything started coming together um, when when my, my, my first wife got sick, mother of my two little boys, my college sweetheart, she dies of breast cancer. Mm. And, so, and so listen to this. I, I'm at the casket. It doesn't get much worse than looking at your wife's body in a casket with two little boys crying. Mm. So the, keep in mind, the answer to your question is going through difficulty. Mm. Because, you know, he was then just dad prior to that. You don't make sense. You're old-fashioned. You have more hair growing out of your ears than you do on top <laughs> of your head. But going through a difficult time at the casket, I said, Dad, I've lost hope. Listen to this, Governor. Uh -huh. He said, son, you can't lose something God gave you. You haven't lost hope. You've lost perspective. And then he said this, son, just stand. And there came a time in life, for me, it was during that period in my life where I realized this man is a quiet tower of godly wisdom. Let me just put it to you. <laughs> Can we be family? Sure. He wasn't interested in being my buddy. Mm, yeah. Oh, come on. Don't get me yeah. started. Yeah. He, he, he was my father, and his job wasn't to raise black boys. His job was to mentor godly men who would impact the world. Absolutely. We've got a problem in our society where we want to be our, kid, our, our kids' friends, their best friends. I, I think we had the same father. Yeah. Uh, I, I tell people... That was you upstairs. It, it, yeah. You know, <laughs> I tell people, my father was so patriotic. Yeah. That, uh, you know, he would discipline me where I would, uh, he would lay on the stripes and I would see stars. I mean, that was the patriotism <laughs> I grew up with. Sounds like you did too, Rick. Oh, believe me, brother. And it didn't ruin me. Yeah. And it's biblical. It is biblical. Yes, sir. The book is Lessons from a Third Grade uh, Dropout. Yeah. What a powerful message. And also, Rick's got this book, Afraid to Hope. I think we know where that one's going, oh, having yeah. heard his wonderful testimony. Yeah. Rick, please come back. Oh, I'd be honored. What a great message. I wish every young man, every father in America will hear your message because you've got one to deliver to this country. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Governor. Wow. God bless you. Rick Rigsby, please give him a nice hand. And Keith Bilbrey, why don't you tell our viewers where they can find and learn more about Dr. Rick Rigsby's books and his speeches. Well, lessons from a third grade dropout and afraid to hope are available at your favorite bookseller. Or visit rickrigsby.com to order the books, view the speech, or listen to his podcast. You can even invite him to speak to your group. It's all at rickrigsby.com. Coming up, the three C's that have made America great with Steve Fizzle. Then the comedy of Johnny W. and Huck's hero who runs for those who can no longer Welcome back. How about a big hand for Trey Corley in the Music City Connection with the great music tonight? Well, my next guest is an author, speaker, minister, documentarian, and a business professor. Now, he's finally made it big as my co-author. Our new book is called The Three C's That Made America Great. Christianity, Capitalism, and the Constitution. Please give a nice welcome to the co-author of our new book, 
Steve Fiesel. Steve, great to have you here. Thank you. Glad to be here. Let's talk about what made America great. What was it that, that really gave us something different than any other country in history? Well, a lot of people came here because they wanted to worship in the Christian way that they believed. And so they came, and then people said, you know, we'd like to have our own land because the only way you can make money is have land. And they couldn't have it in England because the noble ability had it all. So to protect all this, we came up with the Constitution after the Revolutionary War. And I looked at that and I said, hey, these all start with C, and they're the foundational stones of our republic. So this would make a good book. This is what made it great. And then I had to come up with a co-author that could really give it a good punch out through the nation. So I needed somebody who was intelligent, who had some political insight, and who was well-known. Couldn't since, find that guy, so well, you called Sarah, me, I guess, is what Sarah happened. Sarah Sanders was not available, yeah. <laughs> so I had to call you. No, uh, actually, he was my first <laughs> choice, and I'm so glad that he did it because we had never met before. I yep. think he might have known that I did co-author a book with Dr. Carol Swain. With Carol Swain, Swain who's a Swain, dear friend and, of ours. And so, uh, therefore, that got me somewhat of a foot in, in the door. I, I tell people, look, I, you know, I always feel bad about pushing something that's got my name on it. But quite frankly, it's a great read. Uh, but I love it because it has resources, whether you're a history teacher or you're just a citizen that has some crazy relatives or friends or coworkers who just have no clue about the origins of the United States of America. And they're certainly not getting into history classes anymore. Right. So let's talk about, if, if you would say, okay, there are two big takeaways from this book you hope people get. What do you hope they are? I hope they understand the fact that, you know, when, when the Democrats say they want to transform this nation, it got transformed back in the 60s when we lost prayer out of school. Mm, and we point. have been paying for that ever since. Yeah. And so, basically, we got a lot of ground to claim. I could not believe when I read that in 2003, 19% of the people said uh, they claim no faith at all. And seven, nine, 2017, that went up to 35%. I'm afraid if that goes to 50%, we lose the republic. One of the things we try to address in the book, and I think we honestly do it, is the uniqueness of the Constitution. No other government in the history of mankind has been formed with a, a document that does not empower the government. It empowers the people and it basically tells the government what it can't do rather than tell the people what they can't do. Uh, the Constitution is constraining government. The Christian morality that our founders had that they wanted to shape the moral conscience of our nation, that was to constrain the people. When you fusion those together, it really made capitalism work. So that's where they all three come together. That's one of the things that we hope that we will tell people is the why, the three C's that made America great. Christianity, capitalism, and the Constitution. Steve Fiesel, thank you so much for being here. And uh, I hope that a couple of million people will get this book. I think they would love uh, it. Amen to that. Yes. Yeah, I really do. My family will appreciate it, I'm sure, too. <laughs> hey, Keith Bilbrey, why don't you be kind enough to tell our viewers where they can get our new book? And Keith, you know they certainly are going to want it, right? 
Yeah. You bet. A bestseller in the making? Absolutely. The three C's that made America great. Christianity, capitalism, and the Constitution is out September 1st. But you can pre-order it right now at Amazon.com. Coming up, comedian Johnny W. will make you sing with laughter. Then meet our Hubs hero and singer Kelly Lang's in the house tonight. Sign up for his free newsletter and follow at GovMikeHuckabee on Twitter. Welcome back. My next guest has brought laughter from coast to coast. His latest stand-up special called Live at the Franklin Theater won the Bronze Crown Award for Best Comedy. And you can hear him daily on Sirius XM Satellite Radio. From right here in Nashville, Tennessee, would you please welcome the very funny Johnny W. Good. Everybody good? Oh, my goodness. Thanks so much for being here. This pandemic's kind of weird. One thing I feel like it's, it's cool about it, it's made me appreciate my wife a little more. I'm a snorer. Anybody married to a snorer in the house? Anybody? Okay. A couple of guys raised their hands. She's like a freight train. Pray for us. Uh, my snoring's so bad. The other day I woke up, my wife was in the next room. I was like, are we that couple now? We're going to do that? She was like, it's so loud. I was like, but, but, like, do I have the apnea? People are dying from that sleep apnea. Do I have that? She goes, I don't know what that is. I said, do I stop breathing in the middle of the night? She said, no, I wish. <laughs> it's hateful. <laughs> I don't know. It's weird, though. Even worse than the snoring, I have what's called night terrors. I mean, what that is, night terrors. I mean, I have that. That's creepy. Stuff just standing at your bed. You don't know if it's real or not. Is it a dream? Is it real? I don't know. You're punching and strangling, and it's your wife. It's bad, guys. <laughs> it's no good. Here's what thing she does. She hangs her outfit on the door for the next day. Maybe some of you ladies do that. You need to stop doing that. You're scaring people. I wake up. It's like shirt, skirt, shoes in the shape of a person. I wake up. I said, you got to stop. She said, there's nothing on top, you moron. I said, which one is scarier to you, okay? A stranger in my room at night or a stranger in my room at night with no head wearing my wife's clothes? All right, come on. <laughs> Terrifying. She started taking this stuff at night now to sleep called Z-Quil. Have y'all seen this Z-Quil liquid? Z-Quil from the makers of NyQuil. Because what, NyQuil it and already 80 proof? What are we doing, guys? <laughs> Here's the commercial if you've never seen it. The commercial for Z-Quil goes like this. Hey, let's say you're not sick at all. <laughs> But you just want to lay down for a long, long time. I was like, sweetie, call it what it is, all right? Booze and snooze. That's what it is. A teetotaler, get out of here. I don't know. I'm trying to learn to get better gifts. I just passed 25 years of, of marriage with my wife. Pretty proud of that. 25 years. Yeah. Not in a row, but it's complicated. Uh, no, pray for us. But I'm telling you, we're 25 anniversaries, Christmases, birthdays, we're out of ideas. So much so, they'll send you ads. If you notice this, social media sends you ads now. They're creepy. Facebook sent me this one the week of my anniversary. It said this, for $59, you can name a star after a loved one. Have y'all seen that? Name a star for $59. I was like, yeah, or for $0, <laughs> I can just tell her I did. <laughs> I've lost about 60 pounds uh, since last year, though. I'm pretty proud of that, 60 pounds, so that's good. Yeah. People always don't know how you do it. I've been doing the keto, the low-carb diet. Remember the low-carb? Anybody doing that still in here? Low-carb. It's hard. They call it keto now. It's like kung fu with bacon. It's beautiful. 
It's a lot, it's a very Tennessee kind of diet, y'all. A lot of meat and cheese and butter and oil. You can lose weight. You stay away from the carbs. No bread, potatoes, starches, happiness. You lose the weight. That first week sounds like Disneyland for fat people. They're explaining that diet to you. I can have a six-egg omelet with bacon fried in an inch of hog lard and lose weight. Sign me up, Slim. Hallelujah. Let's go. That's week one. I'm in week 12. Week 12 is different, y'all. It is, because I've lost some weight. And also, I want to murder my family. So, <laughs> Turns out carbohydrates is what's holding civilization together, in case you're wondering what was doing it. This whole North Korea thing could be solved with a crescent roll. I'm telling you guys. Kim Jong-un just needs a waffle. He's hangry. But I don't know, man. These vegetarians try to get on to you when you try to eat the meat. You know, my wife's got a friend, Stacy. We go to church, Cracker Barrel after church last week. Stacy comes along. I can tell it's gonna be weird. She's staring at me the whole meal. I'm having my old-timers breakfast, holding my piece of bacon like an American. Stacy's like, finally, I'm like, what? She said, do you have any idea how they make that? I said, I don't, but you tell them they're nailing it because <laughs> this is like a hug from Jesus. It's what this is. He loves me. I don't know. We are a little conflicted, though, honestly, us carnivores, you know. Here's what I'll prove it to you. We change the name of the meat the cuter the animal gets. Have you noticed that? That's a weird coping skill. Like chicken meat's just chicken. Fish meat's just fish. Why? They're ugly and beady-eyed. Kick them in the face. We don't care. We don't care. We get to cows something happens. We're like, cows are cute. Look at them. Beef, this one's beef now. Everybody on board, beef. It's what's for dinner. This isn't deer, Lord. Venison, enjoy that venison, yummy. This isn't, this isn't, a, I don't know, this isn't a raccoon. This isn't a crib. We change the names, y'all. It's true. I can't do McRibs anymore. I read this study, Vanderbilt University right here in Nashville, they did a study one time, chemistry major, all the chemicals in some of the fast food items, right? It made national news because she found an ingredient uh, in McRibs, also used to make exercise mats. That's true. That's so gross. And if you're here tonight and you eat McRibs, you're probably like, what is an exercise mat? I'm Johnny W. God bless you guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Have a great night. Johnny, that was great. Well, thank you, sir. I, I've to told here. people I've bumped more elbows than since uh, I last played church basketball. <laughs> you know, when, uh, when comedians perform, there is something that physically unleashes in the human body. Endorphins, literally, come forth. And, At the and, very least, sometimes even more. If you're, yeah. <laughs> we'll wipe Don't want to go there. We'll wipe down these seats later. <laughs> but it is important for people to have a sense of humor. Yeah. And a lot of people don't. How do we fix that? I don't know. And it's so important now because, yeah, we're in kind of a, a time where uh, a lot's being asked of us as Americans. We're kind of, kind of, we're having to rely on each other to, to take care of ourselves and not make each other sick. So yeah, we're in, I was asked to stay home. I've kind of given up uh, some things I love doing. So yeah, it, it's, we need to laugh. We need that escape uh, and that release valve. So hopefully that's what uh, we try to provide. Have you ever gone to a comedy club or maybe even to a civic organization or convention where you, you're entertaining and you lay one out there, nothing happens? No uh, laughter. Yeah, every comedian you've ever heard of has had that happen. <laughs> what do you do? What do you do? You know, I try to, <laughs> you try to just rally. Well, you didn't uh, have any of those tonight, well, by the way. Well, what a great crowd. What a great you guys, crowd. They are and, uh, and I, listen, <laughs> listen, I, I have to say that. Uh, but 
<laughs> but it's also true. No, it's hard. And it's especially when you're, when you, like, people always want to know, like, how do you know if something's funny when you're coming up with it? And the truth is, nobody that you've ever seen do comedy knows for sure if it's funny until they tell it to strangers. And that's what's so fun about comedy and what's so terrifying about comedy. I guess it would be. I hope that people who are looking for some entertainment, whether it's in their church or their community, will give you a call, look you up, because uh, we need a whole lot more of what you're doing out yes, there. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Hey, thank you. Keith, I think we all need to get out of the house and get some laughs, so why don't you tell people how they can catch a show by Johnny W. Well, you can check out Johnny's tour schedule for starters, then see more hilarious videos. He'll make you want to get his comedy special live at the Franklin Theater. It's all at johnnyw.com. And keep up with him on social media at Johnny W Comedy. And if you want more laughs, join Mike, Trey, and me for the funniest stories in the news on In Case You Missed It, all on Huckabee.tv. Tonight, Huck's hero runs to remember and for a cure. This soulful singer, country singer, Chelly Lang. More Huckabee is on the way. And welcome back. We're having a great time on the show tonight, and it just gets better. But this is not something that's pleasant to talk about. Cancer kills over 600,000 people a year, and it affects countless more. Some forms of cancer are so rare, it's nearly impossible to get them diagnosed and treated. My Huck's hero tonight knows the impact of cancer, and now she runs for those who are running out of time. Shenzel, and uh, I live in Colorado, and I am a runner, and more importantly, I am the mom of a wonderful kid named Anna Rose. Anna was diagnosed with neuroendocrine cancer when she was 20 years old. Neuroendocrine cancer is cancer of your hormone-producing cells. Some patients, their hormones are uh, emitting too many of them in their body. And so they have symptoms that can look like other diseases, mimic other diseases. Before Anna was diagnosed, I had been running half marathons and I had broken my ankle. And uh, while I was in rehabilitation, I thought, oh, what can I do next? What can I do next? And I thought, we love the national parks, our family, and I think I want to run in all the national parks. And one day, Anna was having a really hard time after chemo, and, and I said, honey, what do you think? Should we go run in all the national parks when you get to feeling better or beat this cancer? She said, I'm gonna run them all with you, Mom. It's, uh, it's a pretty horrible thing watching your child die like that. When she passed, and uh, we were not able to complete this journey together. 
It just kind of felt like unfinished business. Like, like she was saying, Mom, come on, you gotta get out there and do this. What a powerful, powerful story. Please welcome our tonight's Hux hero, Gil Schenzel. Gil, thank you for coming to be here tonight. Thank you for having me. Um, you've been wonderful and all of your staff is amazing. I'm so glad to hear it. We yeah. want you to feel loved and welcome because you've been through a lot. Now, you brought a teddy bear. <laughs> That's yes. kind of unusual. A lot of our adult guests don't bring a teddy bear, so yeah. I'm just curious. Tell me about the teddy bear. This is Anna's teddy bear. And when she was going through horrible pain with chemo, um, not with the chemo, but just horrible pain with the cancer, yeah. she'd say, Mama, where's Teddy? And so I'd go get Teddy, and she would hug Teddy, and I'd rub her feet for her. And uh, just, it would just help make her feel better. And so when, when I decided to do this crazy idea, of course, Teddy had to be the mascot. What was the inspiration to do the running in the national parks? Well, we've always loved the national parks. They, yeah. They've been like a second home to us. And mm. uh, we have always had Anna out in nature. Um, you know, I, t I took her backcountry skiing when she was three weeks old. So <laughs> she, she just came to it naturally. And, and, and it was just part of our family. That's what we do. So many families have confronted cancer, but it's, it's so much tougher when it's a child. I mean, you, it's one thing when a person is, you know, in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and, and, and you know, that's, that's hard. Yeah. Not minimizing yeah. it. But when it's your child, that hurts. Well, <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I have always told people every day when Anna was sick, I just prayed, God, let, take me, take mm -hmm. me. I'll go right now if it will save her life, you know. And, uh, and then every day after that, it's been... God, just use my brokenness to help others. Wow. Anna and, Rose was yeah. uh, young, and, and, and from the time she was diagnosed, what, a little over nine months nine later? Nine months, almost exactly nine months, she was gone. I mean, that's, that's a rapidly kind of growing cancer. Yeah, hers was super aggressive. No cure at this point for... No. Now, there are two different... There's like over 80 different kinds of neuroendocrine cancer, and they're kind of divided into two groups. Uh, low grade and high grade, yeah. so aggressive, non-aggressive. And some people live 30, 40 years with it if they're treated properly. Wow. The trick is getting them the treatment they need at the right time with a net specialist. And that makes all the difference in the world. Gil, I hope people who are watching, first of all, will pray for you. Thank and you. And pray that God will continue to use you to help families like you. Uh, but also that they'll realize there may be a, a, a very important uh, diagnosis to, to be looking for if they have the symptoms and yes. they can get that through your website. Thank Absolutely. you for being here. You Thank truly you are so a much. hero to us for coming <laughs> and sharing your story and uh, the great work you're doing for Thank other you. families. Thank you. I'm proud to be a Hux hero. <laughs> God bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, Keith Bilbrey is standing by. He's going to tell our audience how to stay updated with Gil's very, very important mission. Well, to stay updated with Gil's mission, visit nationalparkmom.com. And to find out more information on net cancer and to support the Healing Net Foundation, go to thehealingnet.org. Next, country music's Kelly Lang joins us right here on Huckabee.
Well, welcome back. Now, on last week's show, I got a huge birthday surprise from comedian XOXO. By the way, you may not know this, but she is the funny alter ego of country music star Kelly Lang. I love Kelly's music. And she's got a brand new album that is releasing on September the 18th titled Old Soul. Please welcome a very dear friend, wonderful friend of the show, Kelly Lang. Kelly, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. If people could go back and watch the tape of XOXO, they would never know who that was oh, when they see you. Oh, come on. You know, I was telling the band <laughs> earlier today, I am more XO than Kelly Lang, actually. <laughs> so, for those that know me, that, that's definitely the truth. But I love playing her. We love the fact that there is a connection between our show, this theater, and the great music of Conway Twitty. And, and also now with you because of your dad and it yes. being connected to Conway. Well, when I was one year old, my dad, um, we all lived in Oklahoma. Hmm. And when Conway wanted to bring his organization from Oklahoma over to Nashville, we ended up in Hendersonville with him. I think it was like in 1976 or something, and I've never left. So I, I started singing when I was very young and was fortunate to have that in my, yeah. my background. I, I didn't think it was that unusual at the time, but looking back, I'm sure it, it was meant to be. You know, there's something special about your connection to Oklahoma. Uh, I, you've just expressed your pride for them, and that's yes. great. I don't know if you know this, but Oklahoma is really, really proud of you too, Kelly. They and are. Uh, they are. In <laughs> wow. fact, the Oklahoma Music Hall of Fame has inducted you as their newest member, oh. and they are allowing me to present to you this award, so inducting sweet. you to the Hall of Fame of Oklahoma. Oh, it's heavy. Wow, this is so, it's very beautiful. Thank you. How about that? That is so beautiful. So, when you uh, speak of the love you have for the people of Oklahoma, yes. they speak the love for Thank Kelly you. Lang as well. And I'm, I, we're so thrilled. We were delighted to be able to do that. Thank you so much. Well, and, you know, we're not going to let you come and just talk. You know we're going to make you sing, right? I do want to say um, I'm so honored to have my sponsor, Gus Arendelle with Springer Mountain Farms. He yeah. sponsored my album here. He flew in from Georgia to be with us tonight. So, Gus Arendelle, I want to thank you for being ah, here tonight. Wave at Gus. I, if, if, it, if not for him I, and Buddy Hyatt, my co-producer, who's with us tonight, too, I wouldn't well, have this music to share with you. Right now, here's Keith Bilbrey. He's going to tell you how you can get your copy, and you're going to want to, of Kelly's brand-new album called Old Soul. Kelly Lang's Old Soul is available everywhere on September 18th. Or pre-order it today at kellylang.net. And after the show, go to huckabee.tv for an exclusive performance of Kelly singing the Commodores' great hit, Easy. Now, here's Trey, Mike, and the Music City Connection with the wonderful Miss Kelly Lang. Say, 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 
Cool. 